Say Network podcast. I'm Megan Vialpando, and I'm here with Jim Sparks Hello. and Abraham Guevara, our producer. And every year, um, you know, we host a camp for young adults called WYI. Um, Jim, can you explain what WYI is for anyone who might not be familiar with it? Sure. WYI, it's an acronym for the Western Youth Institute. Although this last summer we did change our ages to 18 to 28, so I guess we need to contemplate changing the Western Youth Institute as we're no longer youth. We are probably considered young adults, so maybe it's the WYAI. <laughs> Don't know. We need to talk about that. But uh, it's a Bible camp. That's what it is. Uh, we spend a week at Camp Roa Glen in Santa Cruz, and uh, we... We study the Bible in morning chapels, and then there's opportunity for uh, breakout for deeper study on church words. Maybe it's common phrases that we hear in the church that we think we know, but we don't actually know. Uh, those could range from anywhere from amen to clap offering to, uh, I don't know, sanctification. Sometimes they're scary words that uh, can be explained. And then um, we have some fun with some redwood groups. Those are groups that are joined together by stuff that you enjoy uh, and you hang out with those people and that could range from running to making coffee I don't know what's a weird group that we've had like uh, obscure I shouldn't say weird because that sounds I mean, negative we've had like but... video game groups skateboarding oh, yeah. hey, groups hey. so we're going back to weird <laughs> it's obscure to me <laughs> let's just stay with the weird cop best group so it's fun They uh, you get to hang out with those people and it's basically something that you you guys nerd out together in and whatever it is and uh, and throughout that process you share your story with um, your other people those groups probably the most amount is like 10 people I'm guessing yeah and uh and then we have evening worship services um, that are dynamic, as they say. I would say they're dynamite. Uh, no, they've just been really good, and they they offer a wide variety of uh, worship styles and responses. And we uh, often have guest speakers in that time. That's WYI. Yeah. This so this year at WYI, our theme was life, and it was based off um, John ten ten, and it's uh, we really focused on the second half of that verse when Jesus says, "I have come that they may have life, and they that they may have it abundantly." And so at WYI, we felt like this idea of life and uh, living out this identity that we have in Christ is so important for our ministry. So we thought it would be cool to explore kind of like a mini series of life within this podcast. So this season, a few of our episodes are going to include clips from WII with discussion on what this means for us in terms of youth ministry and youth leadership. So in today's episode, we're going to look at some clips from Fulton who spoke on this idea that God actually understands our life. He didn't just make us, but his son lived life like us. So he knows what we go through. He knows what life is like for us. And so a lot of times I think we you know, we'll emphasize the fact that God is was fully God and fully divine, right? But but we forget that he was also fully human. So he knows our struggles. He knows what life is like for us. He's been through life. So so he can um, relate to us on that level as well. And growing up as a kid in church, you always hear, God made you, God loves you, right? It's just a, a thing you hear all the time that you take it for granted. Like, what does that mean that God made you? Yeah, he made everybody. But he didn't just make everybody at one time. And he didn't just, like, a lot of us 
God made biology. God made all the parts, the moving parts, and I'm just a result of biology. That's not what the Bible says. God didn't say he just made biology. He didn't made just one man and one woman and the rest is history. It says he made you, specifically you, like, like intimately you. It says this in Psalm, it says um, in Psalm 139, 13 through 14, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. I never think of God, like I think of God as all powerful, I rarely think of him as a knitter, right? He's just rocking back, knitting you together. But think about that, it says, I knitted you together in your mother's womb, right? He knew, the Bible says this, listen, in um, Ephesians 2.10, you are God's handiwork. Some, some um, translations say, you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for you in advance to do. God knew about you before you were born. You were part of his plan. Think about that. How many of you guys um, like to go to the movies? Yeah. So as a kid, my favorite part of going to the movies was the movie previews, right? Now you can watch them anytime you want on demand. You go on the website, you could always see a movie preview. But when I was a kid, the only time you got to see them was at the movie theater. And if it was a running commercial, right? So what I loved about movie previews is a lot of times we go to movies and you're all pumped about it, but you leave and you're disappointed, right? You're all pumped. You saw the preview, you have excitement, you go and it's like, that wasn't as good as I thought. But you know that preview I saw tonight, right? For that other movie, I'm excited about that, right? It gave you an, a glimpse of that. And a lot of times with movie previews, they do this thing called like a, a brand association, right? They'll say like from the makers of, of Harry Potter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 comes Harry Potter 6, right? <laughs> Right? Or from, from the, the people at Pixar. And they use a brand that you probably like, who's done great things in the past, to say, hey, the same people that made this awesome thing made this thing. And you're like, oh, I like that movie. I wonder what this movie would look like. Right? But think about this. If there was a preview for your life before you were born, it would be like from the, from the person who brought you the Grand Canyon, the Milky Way, every sunset, right, comes... Shay, right? That's pretty big. Think about that. The same guy who made all those things made you. That's pretty intense. But how many of us walk around feeling that way? How many of us second guess how God made us? So I love Fulton's analogy between um, like the brand association yeah. with the movie preview. I thought that was a really cool analogy, but I think what he's really trying to get at is um, there's an identity issue here. We either miss or we don't see like our identity in Christ. And I see this all the time with like young people um, and even adults too, but they're always trying to be somebody else. Um, and you see this in the way that they dress and the way that they talk, the, what they spend their money on, what car yeah. they drive, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, they're always trying to like project this image of somebody else or some type of lifestyle. Um, so my question for you guys is when it comes to youth ministry, how can we teach kids and teens and even young adults um, to project their identity in Christ? What does their identity in Christ look like at school, around their friends, or like with their family? Well, I think, I think we have to believe it ourselves. And I think that's the biggest struggle is we have to believe it and live it out ourselves. And... Uh, uh, we could 
probably identify times in our life where we really struggled with that ourselves, but many adults still struggle with that. Just because we're adults doesn't mean we have that figured out. And so I, I think uh, we have to wrestle with that ourselves and we have to kind of be transparent with uh, young people on that as well. Uh, young people think we typically have it together. It's like, uh, it's kind of like your teacher at school when you see them outside of school, like at the supermarket, you were like, what is going on? Like, I thought they just lived at school. <laughs> and and young people think that about us. I They only see us in that church context and, and they probably have this perception of who we are. I know I did when I was younger, our youth leaders. And, um, but that wasn't the case. As I got older, I realized my youth leaders struggled too. And, uh, and so I think that transparency, I think that helps with, um, with kind of unpacking that with young people and saying, look, I'm, I'm working on this too. This is something that I I've struggled with and these are the ways that I've struggled, but this is how I showed that God showed up in my life and, and kind of reinforced that, that, Hey, I made you and I created you and I love you. And, and, uh, and I, I think that's, I think that's the way to, to connect with young people on that. Cause I think sometimes they think we're not struggling with that kind of stuff or mundane things. Uh, maybe we've somehow accomplished that as, as adults, which is really silly when we think about it, but not for them. I, I think they, they see us as it. We, we're probably guilty of that with looking at pastors that way, that they have it all together and, you know, they're preaching every week and, and they've got it going on, but maybe they're really struggling as well. And, uh, and so for me, uh, as I think as I've gotten older too and, and have dealt with this, I'm realizing more sharing that kind of stuff helps uh, with young people. Yeah. I, uh, I like his whole uh, analogy of like, again, the Grand Canyon being something so awesome. And I, I keep thinking about the times when I'm in worship and we're singing songs and we're glorifying God and praising God for all of his wonders and all the awesome things he does. Uh, and then uh, we go around and we look at people and, and just the way we treat people and the way we, we confront people and just sort of our the way we live this out, like you're saying, uh, we're being watched, right? Uh, and if we don't treat people as if they are in, in a way uh, associated with the things we're praising God for, you know, we're worshiping God because God, you created these, you did all these awesome things, but you also created, you know, this person and I'm going to worship God because of, you know, how he made you. I think those things, like when you can connect those things and start to kind of like bridge that, I think they'll kind of, they'll see that in you. Your, your youth will, will begin to see that kind of come out of you and the way you talk to them and the way you deal with them and the way you, you value them. Um, it's a hard thing to, you can, you can teach theology, you can teach them, you know, God is all these things. He's, he's an amazing, he's, he's a wonderful worker and everything. Um, but they're not going to get it into their hearts until, and you, they start seeing you live that out, you know, like you were saying, uh, they start seeing you, um, like, you know, live that out with your peers and live that out with, you know, your, your wife, with your, with your kids, um, with your family, they're going to, they're going to watch you and see how you live that out. And if you value people the way you say you do and the way you, you say you value them, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what I, I don't know. That's, I felt a little convicted by that, you know, and, uh, especially with like the whole, um, how, like again, it says it in the Bible. How can you say you love God who you don't see when you don't love your brother who you do see? If you don't treat the people around you uh, in the same glor God glorifying way, how can you say you you glorify God? You know, 
and so um yeah i don't know it's kind of what i what i was feeling personally convicted about hearing this so i think it's hard even like even now it's thinking that the god who created all these amazing things created me and still cared about me yeah. and i'm so small in this giant world it's it's pretty amazing and awestruck but you could easily see how like that's like impossible you know what i mean yeah. and so wrestling with that what about you megan yeah um I, when i was listening to this i i kept thinking about um you know a, a lot of times i think when it comes to identity you know people are always trying to be something or or i don't know project some sort of image and sometimes i think the temptation for a youth leader is to compete with that and oh well god is just so much cooler than that you know um uh video game or something i don't know dumb like that but i i think the temptation is to is to try and um compete and there is no competition that's the thing about it which is which is interesting um so yeah, I mean, I I remember we were at uh, Orange Conference a couple weeks back, and Doug Fields was talking about this idea of kind of, um, you know, competing with kids and just the lives that they have going on, the busy activities and things that they're involved in, and all this kind of stuff. And that's not bad stuff, but I like this approach that he takes, and it's it's kind of like the opposite. Um, rather than competing with those things, he he tries to encourage them when he does have them to be um, ministers in those activities and Mm. in those things and stuff and kind of sending them out, you know, um, rather than competing with it, but sending them out to be able to like live out their, their life with Christ, like among their friends and at school and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of cool. Valuing, valuing even their quirks, their like the things in their personality that are kind of like, you know, we, we, we want kids sometimes to all behave the same or act the same way. But when we value those like things that kind of make them unique, maybe there's a kid in your youth group who likes to talk a lot. You know, there's something unique about that. That was that kid, by the way. I don't know if that's a surprise. <laughs> that <is> not surprise. <laughs> but when somebody uh, says something like, you should be a preacher, you know, or you should be a teacher or you should be, you know, somebody who talks because you talk a lot, you know those things kind of are encouraging it makes you kind of look at it in a different way in a different perspective and that begins to show them yeah god made that about you how can we use that for the glory of god you know i don't know that's funny yeah. uh, there was it was a long time ago but doug fields was talking about encouraging kids and 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 who they are and just how they are and uh he goes, a, 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 an example of like what an impact it may have is one of the kids in his youth group made a duct tape wallet, you know, one of those wallets. <laughs> yeah. And Doug Fields. were really popular for yeah, a while. He goes, man, that, yeah, this was a while back. Too. He goes, man, that is so cool. You could probably sell those. Like you could, you could make, you could probably make a bunch of those and sell those. That's, that's really cool. And uh, giving a response that we all would. And he goes, so next week the kid showed up and he had like 40 of them <laughs> and so he goes i was like taken back i was like wow and so this is at a, a a youth leaders training thing so he goes so what i have to say to you guys is i have uh, about 20 wallets for sale <laughs> and he had all these wallets oh, and he nice. goes, can you guys just buy them to show them that <laughs> yeah. there's a market and so it was very funny uh but uh yeah i celebrating all that and being who they are i think he made a good point of not trying to get all the kids into one thing and, and allowing them to be who they are and yeah. and find who they are in crisis uh 
tremendously value maybe overlooked often as a kid as a kid i remember he's he was in youth group and he was uh struggling with belief in god he wasn't sure if he believed in god but he was still showing up because they let him do av and he'd love that and he would listen to every sermon and every time the guy would say something i would sit in the back with av stuff and he'd always make comments about it i don't know about that i don't know about this but it, it engaged him he's showing up all the time and always going and so i think that's like you're you're kind of like you're not bringing them down for being people who ask questions like that. You're just welcoming them in and, and, you know, loving them for all their craziness and all their goofiness. So next clip. What you think about yourself, right, will, will determine a lot on the way you live your life. Even though it has no association with the truth about who you really are, right? I'll give you an example. I'm gonna introduce you to a, a part of my family um, her name is Charlotte. This is Charlotte. Charlotte is a wild pig. And um, Charlotte was um, found by one of our friends at another Salvation Army property. And she had, she was, I don't know, like four to six weeks old. And she had a little hole in her leg. And he had cared for her for uh, a couple weeks. And he couldn't care for her anymore. And he called Rob, his buddy, and said, Rob, I have this baby pig. Do you guys want him? And Rob and I had already been talking about wanting a baby pig. And so Charlotte came to Camp Homolani. And look at, look how Charlotte, look at, and then I just love Charlotte, right? Look how, she was scary and ugly, but I loved her. Here's a, like, Charlotte was part of our lives. Because she doesn't know, she's only seen, I don't know when the last time she saw a pig was, right? So not only is she sleeping on the bed with the dogs, then she, look at her sleeping with my son. So Charlotte starts sleeping in there, and Charlotte's part of our family. She starts getting bigger, right? Um, next picture, a little bigger, right? And then she gets bigger. Right now, Charlotte is huge and she lives outside now. Right. But there was a time when like Charlotte would sit and do tricks. And like, I thought, man, this is a domesticated. This is not a pig. She didn't think she was a pig. She thought she was a dog. Right. She had no idea. She know, she was house trained. She'd sit for treats. Right. But the truth is, no matter what she thought she was, she was a pig. Nothing changed that. She could act like a dog. She could get treated like a dog. She's a pig. Right. Same thing with us, but in reverse, man. No matter what you think about yourself, you are God's creation. You are God's creation, right? You're his masterpiece. No matter what people tell you, no matter how people have been treating you, no matter what you think about yourself, it doesn't change what you really are. But it will change the way you live your life. So I'm very familiar with Charlotte the pig. Um, You've I, actually met Charlotte? On multiple occasions in various uh points and size in Charlotte's life. Uh, I think I met Charlotte, gosh, it was, I think only two weeks after they got her. And uh, it was really weird. <laughs> like, it was weird. You're looking at this tiny wild boar running around acting like a pet. And uh, I was like, this is not a good idea, Fulton. Like, this thing's going to turn on you. <laughs> we did a lot of research, and, and it turned out you could domesticate wild boars. And then came back, and sure enough, when he's not lying. You know, like, sometimes preachers are lying. Like, they'll stretch the truth just a little bit because it makes it sound good. The, the thing would sit when he told it to sit. I mean, it, it, it struggled because it's not designed to sit and like like a normal thing but it would it would do circles and they would say uh charlotte time for bed and charlotte would run into the cage and stuff that's a smart pig yeah it, it was it was i mean better than having a child uh, i mean as far as obedience is concerned and 
and he's right like i don't think it realized what it was you know like a wild boar yeah. and charlotte's disgusting now it's massive and it does live outside <laughs> and i i mean i don't really care for animals but uh uh but yeah it it's it's a good point that he brings up as far as uh just reminding ourselves and who created us and and why he created us and you know a lot of the kids that uh, we get to the opportunity to work with and doesn't matter where they come from it's a lot of the same issues is not understanding that that they're fearfully and wonderfully made and they have a god that loves them and so uh we talked a little bit uh, kind of the broad sense of of kind of dealing with that what are maybe some practical ways that that we could do uh to to reinforce that over and over again uh to kids in youth group i think just as simple as getting to know them uh getting to know their background get to know their families what environment are they living in um some of the most educational like the most I've learned from kids has been going and like visiting them in their home and, and getting to their family and seeing their environment and stuff. And I think when you get to know them, um, it's a lot easier to connect with them and you can figure out kind of like what those um, those skills, those gifts are and, and kind of like speak into those and develop those and encourage those. And, and hopefully those things, you know, can be used for the kingdom. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of this identity remembering who you are remember who you are the mufasa <laughs> i think it's the, i only remember you deliberately <laughs> disobedience <laughs> i always think about that uh just because he's he's sort of uh forsaking his responsibility i'm going to using the lion king as an analogy but uh but i always i mean i always think about that whole um remembering your purpose and and reminding kids that they have a purpose in in this life and the purpose is beyond um like just getting a job you have an eternal purpose and you have been saved for that purpose Mm. Uh, and i think that that's something that uh is very helpful to to like if we just keep reinforcing that the idea of purpose and everything you do um isn't just isn't wasted you know and I think I, I remember learning about that too, just kind of getting the sense of like, oh man, I have I have a reason for being, man. That that helps you with depression. That helps you with uh, those moments where you're just kind of like just feeling down, you know. Um, just kind of getting that sense of like, man, there's 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 somebody out there who needs me, you know. And I think I think maybe if, even when you focus on evangelism, like, hey, we should go out and preach the good news. That's one of the purposes that we we live is to is to you know, help other people that we're, we're around to help and, and to go out and save others, you know? So I think, I think, yeah, man, just reminding kids of, of their, you know, their purpose. I think that's something that's really helpful. I love that, that they have a purpose because what is the question they always ask you when you're young? Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And most kids, some kids know it's kind of freaky. Some kids, I'm going to be a doctor. Um, You know what I mean? Like they know, Uh, but I would say most kids don't. They're trying to figure that out. So like giving clarity that, hey, even if you don't know what you want to do, like down the road as an adult, you have a purpose even now, you know, Yeah, I, I love that. I think we're trying to figure out what we're going to do when we grow up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's uh, let's go to clip number three. So I wonder what kind of things that you've been listening to 
What kind of things like in your life are you struggling with where you're saying, man, I think about this about God or like God has got to be really let down with me. There's no way he's going to forgive me again for the same thing. Right? There's no way that God loves me like you say. There's no way he cares about me. And I think God's saying, who told you that? Who told you that? You're my creation and I love you. The story doesn't end there, right? God gives them some animal skins, right? He covers them up. Now I struggle with this. Why did God cover them up with animal skins? Like, like it wasn't a sin to be naked, right? But all of a sudden they're naked and they feel ashamed. So God gives them animal skins to cover them up. And I think about this, like, they were so ashamed that, that they couldn't even face God, right? And so he gives them something and says, hey, I'm going to cover you so I can still be in communion with you. I'm going to cover you up so you feel comfortable coming around me and talking with me. And I think that's what he, Jesus does with our sins and when he covers us with Jesus' blood, right? We come here with all sorts of garbage, right? And we say, God, I'm unworthy. And he says, I'm going to cover you with my son's blood. Don't think about all that garbage. You're covered with my son's blood. It doesn't mean that your life's 100% better and everything's going to change. It does mean that you're covered with his blood and the redeeming process is, is, is happening, right? God wasn't done. He's redeeming all creation. Creation got corrupted and God is in the process of redeeming all creation. Check this out. It says this in Colossians, for God was pleased to have his whole fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself through all things, whether things on earth, things or heaven, by making peace through his blood he shed on the cross. The message says it like this, so spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death and blood that pour down from the cross. Everything that's been broken and abused and misused, God's redeeming it to himself. I like what he said, um, this whole idea of being covered. And I keep thinking about guilt. I think, I think that guilt is something that kids struggle with. I remember being really guilty, feeling really guilty. I grew up in church, so when I messed up, I had some guilt issues. Like I would be bit down and there's all this shame and all that stuff. So I'm wondering, like, how as leaders can we create a atmosphere or a type of environment in our youth group to where, um, you don't cover sin, you cover shame. You know, you, you, you don't, when we think of like cover up, we think of like you're hiding it, like it didn't happen, but like, not, it's not what I'm talking about. Like, how do we deal with, how can we create a type of environment where people don't feel shame? You know, how can, what, what can we do? That's kind of the question I, I have. And I think that's, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I think uh, any youth group is, is probably similar in that um, there could be some tough kids in the group that are just mean, just mean to each other. And uh, trying to build an environment of uh, just affirmations, positive encouragement that it's not just coming from the leaders. Um, I, I think it's, well, I was just about to say, That's I think good. it's kind of easy from the leaders, yeah, but, yeah. but leaders don't we're not always great at that either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when it comes from kids, it's a, it's a different ball game. I, I remember it was a, an impromptu thing, which 
probably means the Holy Spirit was working, um, right? Is that right? And then, Sounds uh, good. We were on a spiritual retreat. We are in a cabin up in uh, Big Bear, and our whole youth group was there. And I... Uh, there was there was like a window of kind of time where we didn't really have anything going in the in the cabin which is dangerous that's usually when something breaks or catches on fire and so i said uh we're gonna do a time of affirmation because uh, it was a really cool weekend and uh just i i just want to see how this goes and if if someone has had been done something good for you or been there for you or any of that kind of stuff and you just want to publicly share that uh go ahead I figured maybe two or three, and most of those would be leaders. And it went on for like 45 minutes, and every kid was addressed as well. And I think the kids even saw some of them that weren't getting the same as others, and they were kind of riding the ship themselves, which I think was really cool. And uh, it, it was it, it's still a highlight for me in youth ministry to see that because the adults really, really didn't say much at all. And we just kind of watched and we were just an audience of this group and, uh, and they were changed. They were different from then on. And so it's something that, um, when I'm programming things, I like to program that kind of stuff, uh, talk positive and be positive. Uh, and, uh, because they can a do it. I think we underestimate that and, uh, B it's critically important for them and to hear a peer saying, Hey man, you were really good on the guitar or you were really, you're really cool when, um, you walked home with me or whatever it is. And, uh, that changes their relationship, but it also changes the culture and in, in that group, uh, to lead towards that. And, and ideally it would lead towards that's the culture that's, that's who we are. And so when you give each other a hard time, that's, but when someone is crossing that line, then they're self-governing in that. And, yeah. and, um, but, um, but program stuff for encouragement program we do, we've done an encouragement wall, um, uh, various events and we grossly underestimate those walls. Yeah. And how many cards? We're did, about 2000 yeah. cards in this last one. And we had 170 something people. Um, and then, then the one year at boot camp when we did it, it was just, it was a steady stream and we had to keep buying and buying more cards. I have no idea how many were given out that, but we've done different things and different events and it always works. It's always good. And it's, 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 it's a blessing and it's exciting. And I, I just think we could be better at that. Uh, and, and when I say better at that, we do it more often. And, um, and you know, there are some traps to that. I think uh, a lot of times we want to do it like publicly and, hey, I'm going to write on their Facebook wall so they're, so that some people see that I'm extra encouraging <laughs> or maybe their parent is like, oh, they really care and stuff <laughs> like that. But you have ulterior motives and, and I, you know, I think we see that maybe we've done that ourselves, um, but looking them in the eye and saying, look, what you did was really cool. And uh, I, I mean, I had a very guilty moment that. Um, this was many, many, many years ago. I was at a youth council's and I heard a girl sing and she was a young girl, like 14 or 15. And I was like blown away. I was like, she's amazing. And, uh, and so afterwards I was like, I, I need to go tell her that she's amazing. And cause I realized at that point I was not good at doing any of that. Right. And, uh, although I thought it was much better than what it was. 
so I get to the girl afterwards and I said, that was amazing. You were great. I, I really loved your voice and it was just really good. And her friend who knew me quite well kind of was like, oh my gosh, do you understand what this means to her? And I was like, what, what, where are you going with this? Jim doesn't compliment anyone. Like he, <laughs> he, he does not compliment anyone and he just complimented you. I was like, I felt like garbage, <laughs> yeah. right? Because I, I felt like I did, but clearly I didn't because that's what she believed and maybe saw. And so I think it's the first time I've ever heard somebody going to be encouraging and got discouraged <laughs> themselves, yeah. like it backfired during the encouragement. During the encouragement, <laughs> maybe, yeah. And so uh, that that was a turning point for me in youth ministry of like, hey, I really need to be encouraging, not just to young people, but to the leaders as well. And uh, and I, I have a lot of room to be better at it and uh, and be more intentional. But I found what works best is to look. At them in the face and say, "Hey, man, you're awesome." And that was really good at what you did, and uh, and that gets the the most genuine feedback. Sorry, I just want to highlight. So you're saying, so it's like you to create. You think it's useful to um, have the kids, the leaders, sort of sort of like encourage the kids and teach the kids to be encouraging. Yeah, that's really. I mean, that's really interesting. I don't. I've never really heard that, but that's really good. Yeah, and, and, and again, you just, uh, ideally, you get that culture. and Because we also have to be careful. Uh, as leaders, we lie a lot. Yeah. We lie a lot. We're like, hey, Megan, man, that was that was amazing. You were incredible and all that stuff. And the whole time you're sitting there going, man, this is terrible or whatever it is. You know what <laughs> I mean? We, we, we could catch ourselves doing that. And, uh, and I believe that kids recognize that. They could see right through that. And, uh, and so, like, I think we should be scared to do that hmm. um, because that could backfire on you royally. And uh, uh, and so, yeah, it, it just be good encouragers. And if you hear someone, uh, a kid saying, hey, I really thought Captain was amazing or this girl was amazing on something, say, hey, go tell them that. Hmm. They want to hear from you, and, uh, and that would be great. And and it gets into that rhythm because I mean we've been there where we actually mustered up the courage <laughs> to encourage someone, right? Yeah. And then the feedback you get, and you're like, that was that was a good experience. And so uh, we should make that a part of our regular practice. And again, I, that's something I'm trying to be good at, and uh, or trying to get better at, or even start doing in some cases. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I think if we could get in that world, then they would understand what this love is, this greater love is, and, and the force that's behind it. Yeah, it's good. Sorry, I've talked a lot. No, it's good. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I mean, I, I think that culture is the um, the key to that, you know, creating that that culture. Um, I guess the only thing I would add is just that um, it's not just for kids, you know, I think for young adults... Uh, and adults really like like we need that culture as well so like for Redwoods for example um, we have a a list of kind of just guidelines for groups that we want to encourage them to to really kind of build a culture of trust and encouragement uh, around each other Um, again so so people feel like it is a a safe place I guess you could say and and a place where they're not going to be shamed or like judged and stuff like that but um so so there's like some principles there and um one in there is that 
and again, this is for, for older, like young adults and stuff, but we, we want to encourage them to, um, whatever ha- like is said in the group stays in the group and, yeah. you know, like just to respect each other, respect what is being shared and people's vulnerability with each other. And that feels, I feel like yeah. that, that's kind of like almost literally covering shame. Yeah. Like you, you, will you tell me we keep it within us <laughs> and I won't blurt out your business, you know? I feel like that's kind of like right along those lines of, of, of doing that. Yeah. And it, it you have to be intentional about it. It's not easy. Like, it's so easy. You know, somebody's name comes up and you're like, oh, man, you know, like like our, our nature is to like gossip and yeah. say something. It's yeah. really bad and it's really destructive. Yeah. And I think a lot of shame comes from that, too. Yeah. I, I think that's why the Bible really just hammers gossiping. Because it, it can ruin that sort of uh, safety that we have within, like, the confidence we have as a church with each other. And so there's, like, tons of verses on gossiping, and it's, like, the worst thing ever. But, yeah. It doesn't seem that bad, but then when you look at it, yeah. it is, it's terrible. It's, yeah. It creates a ton of problems and, and shame, I would say. Yeah. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. And, uh, you know, we always want to leave you guys with some sort of um, announcement or resource or little little bit of information about youth culture. So, Jim, what do you have? I got a story, actually, um, that's a teachable story, I think. So and it falls under youth culture as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, no one's telling us otherwise in the room right now. It's just us. <laughs> You're going to encourage me, right? It's yeah. Like, okay. Um, it's a cool little story uh, from the UK, the United Kingdom, if you will. Uh, it's about a bug-loving girl, and she was teased at school. And uh, we could probably all, as soon as I said that, have gone to some person that we grew up in school that was into some kind of different than everyone else and thought that they were completely strange. Pokemon? <laughs> I, well, I wasn't specifically talking about you. Um. Um, uh, and so this girl, Sophia, she's eight years old, and she is into bugs. She likes to touch bugs, collect bugs. Oh. Her mom said that she would kind of catch a bug and then put it on her shoulder as like kind of her pet. Um, speaking of which, by the way, I had a bug on my windshield that left Pasadena with me and arrived at Long Beach with me. <laughs> I, that bug has got like, a story to tell to alive? his family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he crawled around on the windshield anytime I stopped and then uh, started moving. On he, the inside or the outside? Outside. I'm telling you, wow. he's got a story he's going to tell when he gets back home. <laughs> if, like, he, if he gets back. Guys, you will not believe the day I had today. It was unreal. And, I've never uh, gone this fast in my life. So there's all this water like <laughs> in this other place and a giant boat sitting out there. It was it was a day. Anyway, uh, this bug-loving uh, bug girl uh, would get teased uh, uh, at school, as you could imagine, because it's just uh, it's not a usual hobby. And so the mom reached out on Twitter to other entomologists. Entomologist is a study of bugs. And, uh, and appealed to entomologists to kind of talk with her daughter and tell her how cool it is. And, and she specifically reached out to female entomologists. And she just simply asked for a, I think it was like a five-minute conversation. That's it. Yeah. Uh, even five-minute conversation with a real-life bug expert would be welcomed. Well, it got retweeted a thousand times, and all these entomologists from all over the world reached out um, to this girl. And one actually reached out, and uh, Morgan D. Jackson, she's a PhD student and runs the Entomology Society of Canada's Twitter account. And uh, 
she ended up writing uh, a research paper with this girl and oh, got her cool. involved. Yeah, and the story's implications for scientific societies using social media and the promotion of women in science. And so a year later, Sophie has achieved a milestone that many grown-up scientists work towards for years. She has been cited as a co-author in Jackson's paper, published in the latest edition of the... <laughs> what? What? Read it. Read it. It's just published it. The society paper. I can't, it's called the Annals of <laughs> Society of America. I think it's Annals. I don't know. Annals. It's Annals. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, she studied this. And the girl was so stoked and so happy, and uh, and they keep reaching out to her, and she's now the cool kid at school, and kids are asking her about it and about different bugs, and she's the expert. And to me, this is just kind of a, a cool story because it goes into right what we've been talking about, encouraging kids, even even the littlest things, and uh, in the developmental assets world um, they call it the spark and it's just finding that one little thing in there that yeah. could ignite a passion a lifelong passion that and kind of fits right into what we were saying yeah. Yeah. and so so Sophie is uh, she's a cool kid now and uh, and bugs are cool now in her land which is really cool and you know it's something like that the impact obviously is lifelong but maybe Sophie's the next kind of world changer in the world of entomology and maybe she'll get published in that, <laughs> that paper I, I said at the beginning of this podcast we're going to grow up one day <laughs> so uh, that should be a reminder to us that uh, that we look we have to actively look for those by the way we can't just wait for a mom to send it to us but see that in kids and say hey man that's really cool and then try to connect them to someone in that industry and uh, that could that could change a, a course for sure. And not underestimate their ability. How old was she? Eight. Eight, right? Yeah. And she she was able to do all this stuff. Yeah. Know? The trouble is with these stories is like... I, I gotta I, go I, home and get my kid in. I, <laughs> I gotta, <laughs> okay. I'm like, uh, all right. Let's, let's step it up. Come on. We just... <laughs> just is, is it that hard to take your shin guards off outside rather than inside? <laughs> but uh, anyway... That's a cool story I read today. That's really cool. That's great. Um, for mine's, mine's really simple. Um, on November 1st, our applications for Service Corps 2019 are, became available on Where are we our going? website. Where are we going? <laughs> you and everyone else always asking. <laughs> um, yeah, so I can't say where we're going, but I can say we're going to some really cool places. As always, we always go to some really awesome places. Well, it's not the destination. It's the journey. <laughs> yeah, you need to think of deep. other uh, descriptors because <laughs> it's always, like, really cool. We went send people to not cool places it's really warm sometimes it's really cold <laughs> <laughs> there's water yeah. sometimes. sometimes there's <laughs> there's ministry so but the salvation army there for sure right oh yes okay. always um so yes applications for 2019 summer are available um those are due by february 1st and applications are all online now which is really really awesome we've been working at that 
for a couple years now, but if you go on to servicecorewest.com, you can fill out an application just right online, and um, you'll have to get an endorsement from your core officer, from your division, and then um, we, we want to gather a couple of references, and then um, that's pretty much it for the application. So if you know of anybody who might be interested in benefit from Service Corps, um, you know, Service Corps, I always say, is, is such a great confidence builder. I don't mean that in like an arrogant way, but I mean that in a way that, you know, a lot of people at orientation, I'll see them and they're, they're just really shy, really timid, really nervous. And then I see them at debriefing at the end of the summer and they've had an opportunity to preach and lead devotions and lead prayer out loud. I've had people who've gone on service corps have never led prayer out loud. They're just too self-conscious. And then, you know, they're, they're praying for us at debriefing out loud and stuff. And so I, it's just such a great like leadership development tool. And, you know, people are excited to get back into their core when they get back and, and just get involved with ministry. So if you have somebody in your core right now who came back from Service Corps this year, I encourage you to um, to make sure they're plugged in somewhere. And then if you have anybody who might be interested and who might benefit from Service Corps, definitely, definitely encourage them to apply. They do have to be senior soldiers and they also have to be between the ages of 18 to 28. But all the information's on the website. So check it out, Service Corps. I just want to say a special thank you to Fulton, if he's Fulton listening Hawk out there. Yes, Revolution Hawaii. Yes, and Campo Milani. Um, just want to say a special thank you, uh, just just for the message that he shared at WYI. It was great. It was moving. It was powerful, and um, provided us content for this podcast. So we're very grateful for that. Free content. He's not getting a penny from this. So. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to take him. <laughs> uh, any information that we've referenced, um, also clips that the clips that um, we've been talking about, we'll have those videos uh, linked in the in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. And also uh, anything we've referenced will be in the show notes as well. Thanks, you guys, for listening.